Hi there, welcome to Singing Our Way Home podcast. I am your host, Eva Popov, and in this podcast, we will be talking about wellness and creativity and how the two intersect and work together to make life a little sweeter and richer. Each episode features a new conversation with somebody about their creative practice so we can learn a little bit more about this thing we call creativity and how it can support us as we make our way through life. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast was made and pay my respects to all elders past, present and emerging. The quicker you can be brave enough to jump into the darkness, the quicker you come out the other side into the light. I think that comes through with my work as well, because I do go there with the darkness, but I always come out the other side to the light too. In this week's episode of Singing Our Way Home, I speak with artist and changemaker Samuel Gaskin. Sam is a tour de force of creativity, a songwriter, theatre maker, dancer, and an advocate for positive mental health. He is the creator of award-winning theatre show Reckoning, Te Waiata Paihere Wairu, an intertwining of Indigenous culture through storytelling. And you can hear the song Reckoning in the background as I speak now. I spoke to Sam in one of the busiest weeks of his life in the lead-up to performing at the Sydney Opera House for World Pride. We spoke about what it means to be a change maker, about reclaiming culture and the power of rewriting narratives. You can find links to Sam's work in today's show notes at singingourwayhome.com. Thanks for joining me on this podcast and I'd love to just open up the interview uh, with hearing a little bit about your creative work. Tell us a little bit about what it is you are making and creating. Um, kia ora tato ko Nati Tufarito, toko iwi, ko Yoruba in Nigeria, toko iwi hoki, ko Samuel Gaskin, taku ingua. Um, my name is Samuel Gaskin and I'm extremely uh, grateful to be a guest on Wurundjeri land and live and work and create um, on these lands and um, yeah, I acknowledge how special it is to be a guest here. Um, and, hmm, creator and change agent is the title that I've given myself because I feel like it covers everything I do without having to add too many slashes into the mix. Um, and it covers what I do creatively, but also energetically as a person in the world i i heard it somewhere and i was like yeah that fits me i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna use to describe myself because it's much better than singer songwriter slash actor slash theater maker slash 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 um and i like to encompass the other things um that i am in that title as well you are currently got a busy workload and schedule. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is these weeks that you have been working on and creating? Oh, God. So last week, um, the workload involved uh, hosting a panel discussion at the Pride Centre called No Pride in Racism. 
and then that was on the Tuesday and then on the Thursday we debuted the concert version of my show Reckoning Te Waiata Paihere Wairua, The Sounds of Woven Souls at the Malt House Outdoor Stage. We opened um, that stage for them at the Malt House um, to a full house, which was pretty epic. And then on Saturday, we threw uh, our party, Auntie, which is an inter-indigenational kiki. Um, and really, it's just a space for First Nations queer people to feel fierce and fabulous and have a great time um, in a space where they feel centred and safe. And then on Sunday, we closed the Gertrude Street stage for Victoria Pride. So it was a massive week, probably one of the biggest weeks of my life. And dotted throughout all those actual gigs and shows were rehearsals and press and all the other stuff in the mix, uh, as well as daddy duties. So, yeah, yeah, massive workload at the moment. But I'm so grateful because it's all the things that I love. And I had a moment this year where I like looked at my schedule and was like, whoa, this is literally every single thing that I have dreamed of. And it's all happening. <laughs> so there's a really like culmination of a lot of work that yeah. you've been carrying for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I've been I've been chipping away at this for a very long time. And when I say chipping away, not really chipping. I've been <laughs> full steam ahead for many, many years. Um, and I think I just realised at some point if I wanted to be in the rooms that I wanted to be in and see the work that I wanted to see, I was going to need to create it. And that's been really powerful. So what I hear in that is that you did not see the place for yourself that you wanted. No, I was working. I've been really lucky. I've worked pretty solidly since I was maybe 19. But, you know, a lot of the work I was doing, uh, I was required to like play a stereotype or I would have people come into the mix who would suggest maybe not be so open about the gay thing or... Um, maybe I should, you know, edit myself in certain ways. And then I was just on contracts where, you know, you're, you're kind of owned by whoever you're contracted to and you've got to get permission to go off and do your own thing. And yeah, that takes its toll. And there was never e ever a POC person, uh, at the top who I was, you know, working for, which is a whole nother thing too. Yeah. And through seeing that, um, it brings me back to the term change maker, which you mentioned before. Mm. And um, one of my questions here was like, what are the changes that you have seen through your work and what are the changes that you want to see? Is that, that sounds like the change that you want to see in action through creating the work that you want to create. Yeah, well, I think the change that I've seen through the work that I'm creating uh, people who are often pushed to the sides and the margins actually being centred and celebrated in all their glory and not through a white lens. I've seen beautiful new work that didn't exist, you know. I'm, I'm kind of one of the only people I know who are working in the inter-Indigenous space. But also, you know, I, I'm so interested in so many things. So it's not just that the work is inter-Indigenous specifically with the music you know I had like 
sound healers in the room for the sessions and uh, a pop producer and then, you know, we're using language from both so-called Australia and Aotearoa in the mix. It's just really cool for me as a creative to be able to play artistically with all the things that I love that if I took that to anyone at a major label or, you know, producers are getting them to invest in, you know, the kind of work that I, I, I want to make, like, they just wouldn't get it. So it's really powerful to be the producer and to be making the calls on what it is that we're creating. I'd love to take a moment. You mentioned inter-indigeneity. Is that the word term you use? That's a new term for me. But um, your work does um, combine your voice as a Maori Nigerian artist and um, with uh, collaborating with Indigenous artists. And um, you were born in Aotearoa, Mm -hmm. living in Nam. Can you tell me a little bit about your connection to both places? Yeah, well... Look, my my connection to Aotearoa has always been really strong for as long as I can remember, just as the plane would begin to touch down, I could just feel so intrinsically connected into the land. And, you know, it makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, just even thinking about that experience. And I think my experience and my connection to these lands... um, has really only developed recently. I feel like I was just really confused about who I was here for the longest time Mm. because of the way I was treated, essentially. I associated this land with the colonisers to begin with, you know, because I didn't know any different. And then the more I have connected into Indigenous mob here, the more connected to these lands I felt. Um, And so that's been a journey and really special as well. And really healing too, actually. Yeah. Mm. Has that been mainly through reckoning, that journey? Yeah, well... Reckoning actually came about because I was invited back to Aotearoa to um, perform with Yothi Indi in the Treaty Project, a song that I had written with them um, for Waitangi Day, which is the day that we, you know, celebrate the signing of our treaty. And this really powerful thing happened being back home in Aotearoa with Indigenous mob from so-called Australia, because I had been quite disconnected from my mouldiness for a very long time for a whole bunch of reasons trauma mainly being the number one one but it was like i was rediscovering how freaking amazing um the lands i'm from and my culture is at the same time that indige mob were experiencing it for the first time Um, And it made me think about, you know, how they're treated here and um, the fact that we don't have a treaty. And also that the festival we were playing at, the host spoke in Te Reo Māori the whole time. You know, and there's tens of thousands of people there who all understand, including Pākehā, and just those differences. So that's what got me excited to come up with a project that brought us together. And it's been a real reckoning for me in terms of re-engaging with my culture 
and also a sharing of culture with the Indigenous mob from here who are involved in the project. Can you tell me a little bit about the collaborative process of creating Reckoning? Oh my gosh, the collaborative uh, process has been insane because it truly does feel like this project just has an energy line of its own and like I just do what the ancestors tell me. So to begin with, I knew it was going to be a music project. I thought it was just going to be a music project and I knew that I wanted to have Indigimob from so-called Australia and Aotearoa in the room. I knew that I wanted a sound healer in the room too because I'd been really interested in sound healing and whether or not that would translate to music and how you could incorporate it into music. So I wanted a sound healer and I wanted a pop producer as well. I began by setting up two sessions. One was with myself, an amazing sound healer who used to be quite a famous DJ, Liz Miller, and uh, a producer called Pip Norman, who I love. And then also Piri and Paula, who are old uh, family friends, who I kind of brought on as my cultural advisors to begin with, because I didn't have that strong link into my, my culture and my community. I knew that I could kind of rely on them for backup um, in terms of the language and the kaupapa and making sure, you know, I was um, doing things properly. And then, yeah, so they were in the first session and then Petty and Paula quickly became part of the song and have been involved in the project ever since, uh, not just as cultural consultants but as, as artists in their own right. So it's really cool to see them go from uh, kapahaka, which is what they knew, to playing all these big stages with me now. I feel like every time I tell them about another gig, they kind of look at me like, uh, <laughs> are we doing what? Um, so, yeah, that was the first session. And from that session, we got the first demo for Reckoning. And then in the next session, I had myself, the Marindas, Katie Underwood, who uh, was a pop star and then left to become a sound healer, and Pip Norman, in that session and from that session came the demo for rain the very first demo and then long story short like the rona hit and somehow well actually not somehow i know how uh, when the rona hit i decided that i wanted to focus on something because we lost our whole calendar of work within the space of maybe two weeks um I run an entertainment uh, company with my partner, Johnny, called Beat Entertainment. And yeah, we lost our whole calendar. And then I was like, well, that's okay. I'll just, I can teach because teaching is something that I can do and that I was doing between to supplement income. And then school <laughs> shut. And then Johnny was like, oh, that's fine. I'll just go and do hospo again. That's fine. I can do that. And then we all know how that went. So somewhere in amongst that, I decided that I was going to get good at grant writing because I had 
seen some people have some success with grant writing and I had tried a few times and it would just always do my head in and you know I, I felt like it was just something that wasn't for me but I was like I'm gonna have all this time I'm just gonna get good at it and so the way I decided I'd get good at it is applying for every grant that ever ex existed and I did that and one of the first well no not one of the first one I was successful with was for Melbourne Fringe and it was a tiny amount of money I think it was maybe like 1200 bucks 1500 bucks or whatever and in my mind I was like great at the moment you know money's money that's something and I thought you know we'll just rock up and sing a few songs and then we'll get the money and then the more research I did into it I was like oh my fucking god I can't just rock up and sing a few songs this needs to be like more than that and so that's really how the theatre show was born but I just kept being woken up in the middle of the night with these ideas and I would get up and I would write them down and I'd go back to sleep or if I couldn't go back to sleep I'd try working on another ground. <laughs> it sounds like this feeling of being woken up by ideas it sounds like they're waiting for you to yes. get them down. Yes very much so and um I'm a big believer in if the energy is that strong, that that's what's happening, then you better follow it. You know, <laughs> and you better just um, give it some time and attention. And so I just started writing down these ideas and then I'd meet up with the other people involved in the project and they'd be like, that's awesome. And they would have input too or I would say something to Paula and she'd be like, well, that's amazing because we've just been looking at la 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 and that ties in culturally because blah 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 and yeah it was it really felt like this reckoning thing built itself even though it didn't but I was just facilitating it all yeah yeah and using my skill set and my talents to do so one thing I noticed about reckoning is that there's quite a lot of personal and intimate storytelling as well as um, traditional, mm. ancestral, uh, collective storytelling and mm. the, the way that's woven together. And I'm just interested in how that sits for you, your stories, the collective stories, mm. um, tradition, um, innovation. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like saying anything about that? Yeah, I guess the whole the whole co-papa has been that whoever comes to this project to be involved i want to be as comfortable as possible and for them to share the way that they would like to share so in terms of like personal storytelling for me i knew that i'd have to really go there and that was something that i just knew you know um and i think part of that was really cathartic and I just knew part of that was part of what this project needed but also what the ancestors wanted you know um, I have always had the gift of being able to be vulnerable no matter what space I'm in and I think to be able to do that on stage um, when you're sharing personal stories is powerful and so I knew that I would have to do that, but I didn't want anyone else in the cast to feel like they necessarily needed to do that too, because that's what I was doing. So it was really beautiful. You know, Candace, 
went off and did a whole lot of beautiful gathering of photos and imagery from her whanau and found stories of like her grandma who was taken away and there was actually a couple of books written about her. One was the girl who spoke to the stars and the other one was the little black princess because she was actually the princess of her tribe. And then as the story goes, when it's told by uh, the people that took her away, it was, you know, to give her a better life. And she went on to do all these amazing things because of the life she was offered. And one of the people who she was essentially in-house helpful um, really loved her and was warm, warm to her and was the one who wrote the book. But it was cool to see Candace be able to tell those stories through her own personal lens of what she's heard through her family and kind of reclaim those. Mm. And we found beautiful ways to do that, you know, with the screen and um, projection and montage montages and that type of thing. And then the beautiful song that she wrote called Home and... I feel like she beautifully shares her story in a completely different way and her whanau story in a completely different way, but it's just as powerful. And I just wanted to make sure that I just continued to open up that space for whoever was involved to be able to share of their both their talents and their story um, the way that makes them feel the most comfortable. And I think that's actually why Reckoning works so well. Find a way, find a way to discover There's nothing wrong Find a way, find a way to recover It was there all along Fire Rain. Yeah, and I guess that brings me to my next question which is um, the beautiful song Rain which is a clip collaboration between yourself and the Marindas and um, one lyric that I wrote down that I wanted to speak to you about maybe because it's close to my heart and close to what I want to speak about in this podcast um, there is a way to recover and it is in the song and I want to hear a little bit about your journey with song or with storytelling and art and recovery and I suppose you started telling me that in um this beautiful story about Candace. How about for you and your own songwriting mm. and storytelling journey? Mm. I think um, songwriting, well, really, art and creative expression for me has always been healing, even when I didn't know that that's what I was doing for myself. When I was younger, I would become obsessed with dancing or um, a particular artist and it would keep me entertained and creative for hours and hours and hours just coming up with dance moves trying to imitate other people's dance moves trying to sing their songs or the way they would sing but then as I got older um, I began writing a lot and I would write like weird little poem things and I somehow figured out that people liked when I shared those things. 
um, because I always got a warm reaction uh, when I did. I think writing things down was the healing to begin with. And then at some point I figured you can actually turn those pieces of writing into songs. Yeah, I truly believe that the arts has saved my life in many, many ways because no matter how hard shit has gotten for me, I've always had this thing that I can lean on, which is my creativity, you know? Nobody can ever take that away from me. So I've been in some really dark places, but being able to write a song about it. And it's like as soon as I write that song, I've kind of uh, spat out what had been stuck or what had hurt me or what had um, pulled me into a space that I didn't want to be. I've kind of naturally and instinctively used that to help me many, many times. And I, yeah, I truly feel like if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would be able to cope. Yeah, or if I'd still be here, to be honest. And you've been an advocate for mental health and positive mental health and speaking about your journey, I... um. I heard you say something along the lines of that you share so that other people can find their way through. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I totally misquoted you on that one. That's okay. Um, Yeah, but I do feel like it's really important that if you are gifted the opportunity to move through something and learn and grow... The next step of that is sharing it with other people so that they might be able to do the same. Yeah, I feel like this there's this real old school concept that still exists in a lot of communities that, you know, we just don't talk about mental health or if you're having a hard time. And I think that adds to the pressure that people feel because then you're feeling like, well, I'm the only one with um, these problems and with hardship going on in my life. And it's simply just not the case. I kind of feel a sense of duty to share as openly as I can and as openly as I feel like in the moment and have tried to do that, you know, through my work with Beyond Blue as a speaker and just in my art too, I'm pretty open. But also just when I'm having a chat with a new group of people, you know, like I often openly say in the, in a conversation shout out to therapy or lucky I've worked on that one or do you know what I mean um just kind of normalizing uh looking after your mental health which I think is so important like I think it should be compulsory that we go to therapy from a certain age no matter who you are like could you imagine if if that was a thing um, from when we're young as well, which yes. is when stuff is often the hardest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for all your work you do in that space. And I guess connected to that, you shared your workload at the start of the mm. interview. <laughs> and a question that I ask everyone um, is, I guess, as a creator, as a change maker, as somebody holding a lot of things, mm. how do you care for yourself and stay well and oh grounded. I'm look. I'm got to be honest with you. I'm still figuring that one out. Mm. But a couple of things I do. I I 
I almost never miss out on my morning routine, um, which is to get up and put my, what are they called? Those like bubbly things that you put the nice smelling stuff in. and Like oil burners? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I put that on Ooh. and I meditate mm-hmm. and um, I have a coffee and I try and do a little bit of writing. I'm really into at the moment writing how I want my day or I want my week to go. Um, I find it really powerful and often it works a treat. Um, for instance, like last week when I was just so smashed with work, we're really lucky. <laughs> we we brought a spa like mid lockdown, I think in between, you know how we had like that little gap between the first two lockdowns. <laughs> um, best panic buy ever. <laughs> um, and so I try and sit in that as much as I can. Cause I just love being submerged in water. And also, I go for a massage if I can. That really helps me because I just hold a lot of tension in all sorts of weird and wonderful places. But also just knowing when I'm at capacity too. Like yesterday, for instance, was supposed to be a day of rest. I just got back from Sydney the day before. I have to schedule days of rest in for myself or they don't happen. But yeah, also... Nature, oh my gosh, like shout out to Mother Nature because she hooks me up with everything that I need. I'm really lucky I live near the Warrandyte River. So um, I will get down there and I'll just put my feet in the river or I'll sit in the river and it is like um, just the most um, beautiful thing I can do for myself because it literally just cleanses and clears everything um yeah and i also have a a bunch of amazing people i work with you know shout out to therapy shout out to um ancestral work with healers um yeah i've always been very drawn to self-development stuff um anything that i feel could make me a better person i'm usually really into um and at a certain point i figured "Mm, I've read like pretty much every book that ever exists. So I really like to make sure I've got good mentors in the mix too and a good therapist. You've spoken in this interview already about your fair share of challenges and um, yet the work that you bring brings so much joy and positivity. Uh, Not only your creative work but just the way you present yourself and speak about your work. And I'd love to hear about whether that, is that a conscious choice? Is that natural? How? Tell me about positivity. Mm, I think it's a bit of both, actually. I feel like I I want to make sure what I'm contributing to the world is always real and always uplifting in some way, even if it's a hard topic or or, or, um, hard material that I'm sharing with the world like I always want to make sure that the the underlying message is love and hope and yeah I think it is a a conscious decision in a way but also just kind of how I am naturally I feel like 
I did have to work out at some point what the line was with making sure that my upbeatness and my positivity was authentic because I think I probably, when I was younger and I hadn't done the work on myself, used that as a brilliant shield because, you know, if everyone thinks you're happy all the time, they're not going to ask too many questions. And so I think I did a fair bit of work around around that when when I was maybe in my mid-20s, mid to late 20s. But I think really what I've noticed is my strong ability to affect the energy of a room is a pretty special magic power. So I kind of, I want to use it for good, if that makes sense. So I just try to, I try to make sure that's what I'm doing as much as possible. And it's really beautiful to hear that reflected from you that you see that and you feel that more importantly. Mm. Yeah. And and with the sharing of difficult things as well, which feels in a way more like the positivity means more, the light is brighter mm. in reference to the darkness, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like what I have learned in my time here is the the quicker you can be brave enough to jump into the darkness, the quicker you come out the other side into the light. Yeah, I think that comes through with my work as well, you know, because um, I do go there with the darkness, but I always come out the other side to the light too. I just wonder if you'd have any advice to someone starting their creative journey from all the work that you've done and everything that you've gathered. Um, what would you advise to someone who oh. wants to do it? Oh, my gosh. So many things. The first is just start. Start doing it right now. Start doing it immediately. Do it any way you can. Don't get caught up on how you know grandiose it should or shouldn't be. Just pick up the pen, pick up your voice notes, pick up whatever it is that that you need to get started and start and relinquish all care about what, what other people think and do it for you because it's what you want to do. Don't take on anybody else's advice. <laughs> um, at the beginning... You know, just do it because you love it. You know, do it because you love writing or singing or dancing or, or poetry or whatever it is. Just make a start and do it because you love it and become obsessed with other people who who you admire, who are talented, who make work that you like and um, consume it all, listen to their songs, read their bios and their books and, yeah, study the masters in the areas that you love. And then once you feel brave enough and you have your own ideas popping away and popping off, give them the energy that they deserve. Um, nurture them. Don't question them. Don't compare them. 
don't do anything that might risk you not giving them the warm love and support that they should have. Don't tell your mum or your sister or your dad or whoever it is about them if they're not going to get it. Uh, yeah, remember that your your creative ideas are really precious and special and you need to look after them as such. So only share them with people who you think will love and honour and respect them the way you do at the beginning. Don't look for <laughs> validation from anyone who's not going to understand because they won't and you don't want that energy around your beautiful creative idea. <laughs> and make sure that you hold on to the bit that makes you the most happy and which for me is the actual being in the creativity and performing. I still love performing too. My advice really to myself as well as everybody else is just to remember the bits that you love, which are, which for me are the bits that make me feel completely present and aware and in the moment and excited. Um, and that's always for me in the studio or collaborating with someone else. Mm. Yeah. The relationship with other people are making magic. Yeah, yeah. And seeing them in their flow and how they shine and then the way we bounce back and forward when we're in that creative um, space, like that's the fun bit. Yep, I, I hear you on that one. And um, I've got one last question for you, Sam, which is what is your greatest hope for your work? Ooh, that's a great question. My greatest hope for my work is that it's seen and felt by every single person in the world who needs it and that um, they feel it deeply and they take something from it that might just help them with their life and their creativity and whatever it is that they are going to offer the world. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. I hope that too. You've been listening to Singing Our Way Home, a podcast about creativity and wellness. I've been speaking with Samuel Gaskin, and you can find links to Sam's work in today's show notes at singingourwayhome.com. As always, I'd love you to join the conversation. Get in touch on Instagram or email, say hello, and join us for another episode of Conversations About Creativity on Singing Our Way Home.